Welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 10, Teaching with Python Turtle. I'm Sean. And I'm Kelly. So this week, we're going to be talking about the turtle module in Python and how we use that as a teaching tool for students that are learning computer science for the first time. But before we start, I wanted to introduce ourselves. My name's Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who is learning how to become a better teacher. And I'm Kelly Schuster-Paredes, and I'm a teacher who is learning how to become a better coder. So this week, before we get started, we want to talk about our wins of the week. So something that's been good that's happened in our classroom or outside of the classroom, something that's been a positive teaching experience or a positive coding experience for that matter. So Kelly, anything particularly interesting or exciting? What's your win of the week this week? Oh, well, I don't know. Let me see. Could it be that I'm in Florida Keys? Could it be that I'm with 58 amazing seventh graders and seven great colleagues learning about the life and the currents and the coral reefs? Or can it just be that I'm I'm taking a break from the Python as Sean rolls his eyes at me because he's been at school coding all week. So yes, I am in the Florida Keys on a, on a classroom without walls trip with seventh grade students. So it's been a great one of the week for me. And you, so, how has the week so, gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, exciting in different ways, I would say. Um, maybe less scenic and less dramatic. Actually, the win of the week has been our new whiteboard table that we have in the classroom. So we just got a new Genius Bar style whiteboard table that has literally every surface on it that's not touching the ground set up as a whiteboard surface that students can write on. So the top, bottom, sides, left, right, everyone has been really enjoying this table. And I've been using it, Kelly, as a substitute for the five-minute challenge at the beginning of class. So if I'm not quite ready, I just throw them all a bunch of whiteboard markers and tell them to go graffiti the whiteboard table. And, you know, it's funny, as much as it sounds like something that is a time waster or something that just occupies some time while I'm getting set up, I found that, that, that having the students draw at the beginning of the class and to be creative and to think a little bit differently and spend a little bit of time focusing on writing something or drawing something on the whiteboard table has made them far more creative and set up for the topic of the week, which has been turtle this week. Yeah, and I can't wait. We're going to definitely post that picture that you uh, sent me. I almost tweeted it, but then I thought maybe we should save it for this uh, for this podcast episode and post it on our on our website. I cannot wait to get back there and start brainstorming some cool projects with you. And we use the whiteboard marker all the time and the table. And I like to write all over the table. So if you haven't written on the tables with whiteboard marker, first test the surface. But get on it and start planning. Well, while you've been away, I have been teaching turtle all week with my students, a little bit of micro bit, but a lot of turtle. And we're in week two back here at, at the school teaching Python. And this is our third round through Python this year. And what I've found is that turtle is working really well this week for teaching students about loops and control structures within their code. And so one of the things that Kelly and I wanted to talk about to complement our microbit module was how we use this very visual programming tool that was built into, into Python as a way to teach some fundamental concepts in, in Python and in computer science at large. In seventh grade, 
we did this last week before we left because I thought it was an easy way to to get the kids jumped into something without them forgetting everything about microbits and basic Python code. So we jumped in and used the Turtle platform or the module, I'm sorry. And it's just something that I learned last year from our tinkering in computer science. And Turtle Python has always been something that we've played with. I guess it was derived in the logo language. I don't think I ever used it in logo. Maybe I just always use it on the internet-based programs. But it's just a simple, easy way to give them a few lines of code and to start making some pretty graphics. Interesting. I think I actually learned back when I was in elementary school, a little bit of logo programming on the Apple II. And it was really interesting to see what's old is new again. Logo was originally developed back in 1966 as a way to teach kids programming. And it feels interesting to me, again, another parallel with music education space, that some of these tried and true methods still work exceptionally well for teaching students about how to code and how to think through the problems that they want to tackle. And with a few lines of code and some clever repetition, our students have been able to create some pretty interesting designs throughout this week with very little experience. And we've been using it pretty much every day as a way to practice basic for loops and iteration and working through things like color selection and changing the color palette. So it's been a really interesting experience. And I'm curious, and this is why we wanted to talk about it this week, why is Logo and Turtle so, why does it stick? Why does it stay? Why is this method of teaching programming still really good for helping students visualize and understand how how programs work and how their flow works? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I mean, I don't have much experience in the past of what was going on with Python Turtle, But I do see that graphic aspect, that quick visualizing of what's what you're typing with something moving. And I think we tend to do that a lot as well with the scratch programming with the little kids and they do a lot of drawing in there. So I think for our kids, at least, or any other kids that have done basic block programming, that instantaneous write a code, see it move kind of thing just really helps to make this concept stick. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because it, in addition to being visual, it also helps visualize loops and repetition and patterns in a really exceptional way. It's something that's been in Python actually for a very long time. It's been in since Python 2.5 as part of the standard distribution, and then has been, of course, included into Python 3. So it's really, you know, if you haven't played around with it much, it seems very simple, but many of the shapes and drawings that you can create with it are fairly complex. There's an entire book, in fact, that's called Math Adventures in Python that uses Turtle to visualize mathematical concepts. Everything from trigonometry to geometry to charts and graphs and plotting. It's really fascinating just how versatile this really simple language and really simple API can be. So, you know, what's been interesting this week for me is that I've done a little bit of microbit work along with Turtle. So the two major concepts that I wanted to expose students to this week was really the idea of control structures and conditions with simple if 
elif and else statements, and then also the concept of, of for loops. We're doing a little bit with while loops and conditional loops. However, what we found is that the for loop really helps them understand this concept of a finite number of iterations. So, so Kelly, this is such a great tool. How do you start it or how do you introduce it to your students? Well, it's interesting. We were talking about what we're going to do differently in the quarter three. I think we're still trying to get our feet wet and still playing with the curriculum. I keep saying that, but it seems, I don't know if we switch it up because it seems that's a different kids yet, or if we just switch it up because it's fun <laughs> to keep us interested. But I started it for the first week and literally on day two, after I did all that fun stuff, I just gave them a Python with turtle activity. And I really like that idea of going in there and giving them some code that I've networked together. I pieced, mealed a little bit of code from online, a couple little things that I switched up, a couple little things that I took from your class. And I just gave them a whole bunch of graphics. Then I told them they had to make three different shapes on the same screen and submit it back for the daily activity. And at first the kids were like, what? <laughs> and then you just start changing numbers. They started to see things. And I think, I don't, I don't know, it just, it's so easy to get into without even having to teach anything. It's so, and the kids are so, I don't know, intuitive about it. it go forward, T forward, move a hundred. It's just satisfying. I think it takes away that apprehension for them of coding. It's just a great piece of tool to use. I started a little bit differently. So I do a code alongs. My favorite thing to do with students is to have them write code with me together. And we start with, I think, three lines of code. So we start with that import turtle as t. So get the turtle library in there. And we explain what the import function does and why we're saying as t. And I always explain it as because I'm really la lazy and I hate writing turtle over and over and over again. So I just want to write t dot whatever. So then it's really just move forward a certain distance and then turn right 90. I asked them, how do you make a square step by step? So they have to break down something that's very simple for them into its step by step components. So we deconstruct that problem and then repeat it. So I go through, well, here's one way that you could write it. I go through that with them and I write it four times and I write forward 100 and right 90, forward 100, right 90. And then I say, I, I act it out. Man, I'm tired of writing this. I hate writing this much code. Let's see if we can, can make this simpler. So then we turn it into a for loop. And then we go through the process of calculating, well, if I want to make this a triangle, what do I have to do differently? And then if I want to make this a pentagon, what do I have to do differently? And once we have those three different examples and we recalculate the angles required and the, the four I in range and the number being different, then I introduce them to, here's how we could use the variable to calculate this. Well, if you think about it, really the angle that we need to turn is 360 divided by the number of sides. And once we do that, we start to go through this whole problem. And so it builds upon itself to the point where we're able to create this loop that will take a variable input for the number of sides and draw any number of sides that we want. And then usually someone says, well, what happens if I make it draw a hundred, you know, sided object and they write it down and they, and the turtle runs off the screen. And so they go get engaged with it. They really start to see how the changes that they make to the code has a very visual effect on the screen in front of them. And then they start to think about, well, if it's running off the screen, maybe I can shorten the distance that it travels. And then they shorten the distance that it travels and they say, well, that looks an awful lot like a circle. 
and we talk about how really on the screen a circle is just approximated. It's not a true circle, it's really just a number of, of short sides. And then we start looking at it and saying, well, what if we want to draw a lot of shapes? And we go through this progression where it just builds one on top of the other. And over the course of two class periods, we get to the point where we're building spiral art from all these different shapes on the end of day one. So they're seeing how they can change the parameters for the number of shapes and the number of sides and how those variables influence the design that's eventually output. And then they say, well, I'm really getting tired of waiting for it to draw. So how do I make it speed up? Well, then let me introduce you to another method on the turtle class. And so it really just becomes this thing where they start to branch out and they want to explore and they have questions. The turtle library is so simple and logical for how you can make each of those things happen. It really gives them a lot of power early on to experiment and explore and see immediate results. Two points on that. It, we both have, have two different ways of approaching things, and that's kind of what I, I love about this exploration and these talks that we have, is that we both allow the kids to ask those what-if questions. Mine's more of a let's throw everything out there and you tell me what you see approach, and yours is, is going into an add-on code-along approach. But the thing that makes it so great is that you really can touch almost every single basic topic and then you have that recall moment oh do you remember when we imported that library or do you remember when we had the random function did you remember when we had that the parameters set between 100 and negative 100 and it's just nice to go in and do the iteration and doing a nested loop Regardless how we how you introduce Turtle, whether you just throw a whole bunch of codes and see what happens and see if they can figure it out, or if you go step by step with the code along, you can really literally, and I guess that's why it was was made. You can literally teach a whole course on the basics of Python using Turtle. Yeah, and and especially there's there's a great opportunity to be more Pythonic too in the way that we approach this. So as you're going through each concept you can build upon it. You know, I had a student today that was falling asleep in class. She had had a late night and then she took Benadryl in the morning because she was having an allergic reaction. She was just suffering through the class today. I sat with her for a moment because I was floating from student to student and helping each student with something different that they were working on. And she desperately wanted to sleep, but I said, let's go through this. Let's figure out some, some way to make this interesting and wake you up and be in, engaged in it. So we did everything from experimenting with the different variables and parameters on all the different aspects of our codes. And instead of moving a constant distance for each side, what happens if that varied based on the iterator variable in the loop? Or what happens if we made the size of the shape, the total, the total size grow with the iterator on the outer loop? And then we started adding random values and of six-sided polygons that had spiraled out of, of random shapes. And she said, we're making the ugliest flower. And I said, first of all, there's no such thing as an ugly flower. And second of all, look how cool this is because everything else is very ordered and geometric and, and structured. And you've made something random and unique that doesn't exist anywhere else, right? If I run the same code again, you'll get a completely different result. And that's cool. That makes it interesting and it makes it unpredictable and it gives them this element of surprise and delight when they see that what they coded creates something new and different that they weren't necessarily expecting. It starts to get them into that mode of, let's try it and see what happens. 
Oh, and on a side note on that, trying to see what happens, I, I just remembered. You said you get lazy for the t.turtle. I guess that's old school Python. I use Sam and Fred and Ted, and so that's how I change it up to see if they're pay- <laughs> so that they don't fall asleep. You're but, just more creative than I am, right? Like, so you name your turtles. I've just been doing this for so long, you know, you have to appeal to the young child. Maybe usually it's just appealing to the young child inside with me. But I like that idea of the, the changing the iterators and, and asking them what they're doing. This whole ability to, to teach their, the range in an iteration or to, to have them see there's different ways to write a, a for loop to make a square. It's so versatile. You can have so many deep discussions. You just have to be able and willing to move around with the, the 20 kids that you have have in a classroom and explore what their questions are. And again, that that's just what makes Turtle Python it's such a great tool to use. Yeah, and it really is engaging. So one of the challenges that you have in, in an environment where you're floating between students or they're supposed to be working independently, especially early on, they may feel a little apprehensive or they may be a little nervous about doing it or they may feel uncertain about how to make things happen. And once they know a few of the basics, they're able to start drawing and making changes and iterating. And if it were anything else, or if I tried to have them do this this early in the course with a different concept or a different module or some other way of teaching it, what I would see is more students getting distracted. I would see them start to wander off mentally or on their computer to other apps, to other homework, things that they know they can accomplish. And the nice thing about Turtle is that it's such an attainable project or an attainable module for them to explore that there's very few students who tend to wander because they really want to see what they can make next. I think I had touched upon on this on last last week's podcast, but I had that little bit of slowdown at the end of the week. I think it was a Friday. Seems like ages ago since I was teaching Python, but last Friday we had a little bit of slowdown and kids were getting a little bit tired of seeing the turtles, so I put them towards uh, Grok Learning and we had that the flags I was looking through some of the, the submissions that they gave me this week, and they got really far. And, and having to think through the problem solving, because in Grok, you have to do it in the least amount of times or the least amount of lines in order to, to get a mark, a positive mark, and go on. The logic that they need in order to think about how to draw you know, a flag of, of various colors, it, it's just it's great. And going through those problem solving skills, looking at what, what is produced, Again, I can't say it enough. It just gives the opportunity for the kids just to explore and think through problems. Now, are they using Turtle on Grok Learning? Is that the the module that you have them exploring, or is yeah. it something different? So, yeah, no, it's moving Turtle towards the screen, and and they talk about angles and how to turn the turtle. They go through the fill screen. They if they get further down the line into the program, they can do mathematical calculations to to divide a, a rectangle. They have to think about the sides of the of the flag. So, if the flag is 150 by 80, they have to change the number of going forward, and it's just a they just go through almost all the flags of of the country, of the world. That's really interesting. So we have at least three different platforms that we can run this on then. And, and Turtle, of course, is built into the standard library, so you can run it on anything. But for beginners, the three platforms that we've found that work particularly well is the Mew Editor, which we've talked about extensively in the past. And, you know, what a great IDE once you have it installed. So if you have Mew installed on your student laptops or on Chromebooks or wherever you have it, it's a great place to get this started. I think you can even run Mew on a Raspberry Pi now, which is pretty pretty amazing. 
but then the second area is on Replit. So Replit has a Python environment that includes the Turtle module and will write code output there. And I've used that this week with several students who were having difficulty for, with a couple of different things on the Mew editor. And they were able to jump right into Replit and start writing their Turtle code. And then the, they have the added benefit of being able to share that code with others. And, and here's my link to the code. And now we have Grok Learning also, which incorporates the self-paced learning into the Turtle language as well. So if you're looking for an environment in which to explore Turtle, there's three really solid beginner environments out there that you can get going with not that much effort. And the, the best part of it, they're all free. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. So if you're if you're on a budget, there's nothing better than free. Not that I want to say not get the microbit because we love the microbit, but if you do have a minimal budget and you want to start computer science in your in your school, and your school says, "Hey, listen, we can either we can only give you this set of laptops, or they're going to have a by byod, a bring your own device kind of program," you can go into Grok, register free as a teacher. You can go into the Replit, do everything online, register free as a teacher. You can download Moo with free. So there's no reason why you shouldn't have coding in school with all these platforms. Yeah, you do not need a fast computer. You do not need anything particularly powerful to run the Turtle module. I mean, it was written in 1966 originally, and the implementation on, on the Python platform is particularly good. So I have everyone running it on anything from an a five-year-old MacBook Air up to the latest MacBook Pro, you know, we tend to be an all-Mac sort of school, but Windows, Mac, old Macs, new Macs, old Windows, new Windows, Raspberry Pi, it just works. And it's really nice to be able to have something like that that you know is going to be consistent across all of these different platforms. Yeah, and I do have to say there's one more out there that you might have forgotten to mention because I, I, t- I kind of keep my secret from you is that 101 computing I mentioned earlier in some of our episodes, I, I constantly go back and, and I'm trying to find out who it is who who posts this. It was posted in um, September 19, 2017. So 101 computing, if you want to tell us who you are, I'll look some more. I see contact. I guess I should email them. But I they have an online editor embedded within the website and I'm looking at the Turtle Python. I go in there and look at the, they have a Euclidean geometry activity in here where they're looking at the equilateral, equilateral triangle, the square, pentagon, and hexagon, and how you make it with Turtle Python. And I was kind of looking at that to use in some of my challenges, but we just didn't get to them. But it was, it's a good explanation for the kids that want to go further and look at the, wow. the, the math in Python. Well, you've been keeping that from me. I've been keeping the STARS project from you where the kids, once they learn how to draw a simple polygon, I challenge them to draw a star using Turtle, and they have to think through it. And it's something that that works particularly well, again, because they can draw a star without thinking. They can draw a five-pointed star. They can draw a six-pointed star. But when they actually have to think about how Turtle would draw a star, they have to decompose that problem again. And we go through not just the not just the basics of how to draw the star, but how to calculate all of the angles so that, again, you can abstract it into an end-pointed star. They really get into that, and some of them just rise to the challenge. They love that. How do I make a star? It's a simple thing, but decomposing the problem and breaking it down into its, its smaller parts 
is not trivial. It's something that you have to think about, especially if you're doing it for the first time. And I made myself do that. Of course, it's easy to go out and Google it. Of course, it's easy to find the answer. But if you get there with like a little whiteboard marker and a whiteboard and you start to draw it out, you're going to challenge yourself to really think through the problem and make sure that you're doing it the right way. And when I watch our students doing that, I really see them starting to have those early sparks that are going to lead to that click or the breakthrough that helps them start to see how the programs are going to run and how they're going to to solve problems in the future. Yeah, it sounds like you should uh, be letting them do an extension on that with uh, Tinkercad and printing out a, a star ring. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, there's some really great things now that Python has brought Turtle back in so many ways. There's a lot of great projects that are out there where there's a similar interface on another language. So Stitch has a wonderful Turtle library that works works really well. There's also a website called Turtle Stitch, which actually lets you take those similar those same commands that you have in 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 Scratch, Scratch. Sorry, <laughs> Stitch Scratch. Once you have it in Scratch, you can actually output that code in a format that can be uploaded to a computerized sewing machine with embroidery capabilities. And so your Stitch commands get stitched out on fabric. And so all of these great algorithmic patterns and designs, whether it's a really simple polygon shape or a really complex spirograph or even graph data or a logo or some drawing that someone's made, you can make a sewing machine stitch that onto fabric. Like how great is that that you could have your designs put on a put on a shirt or put on a hat or something that some a kid could wear, a student could wear that shows the design that not only did they stitch, but they actually coded it. Yeah, and and, and Turtle Stitch actually uses the Snap. It's by Berkeley. So we have to give them credit to that. And Scratch is by MIT. MIT. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to make sure that. I'm sure there's some rivalry there. I, I didn't go to either school, so maybe you can tell us about that. <laughs> Neither did I, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're such a great. And, and we saw that in action. They they bought one for the iLab so we can see it. And we keep wanting to get one in our in our classroom, too. I want to bring back sewing and coding. I mean, that's great. I love the Pi Maroni. I'm waiting for Pi Maroni to come up with something so that uh, we can just bring that too. Maybe those microbit people out there can can get something going with it. <laughs> I want to figure out a way to send you to like an Adafruit wearable camp this summer, something that, that will get you going with making wearable technology, Kelly. I think you'd really get into it. Oh, I'm ready for it. Let's go through a couple other resources that I found. There's this project. Um, it's called Open Book Project. They have have an, another set of instructions for the people that don't know Python. This is kind of my side of the win, the learning. What a great opportunity to go through and just look at different ways to draw and to move um, Python in there. And that's openbuckproject.net. I was looking through so many resources. I can't believe how many are out there. I was back looking back at Python for Kids again, reading that and learning more about codes in there for Python Turtle. So I went through our, our bookshelf this afternoon, thinking ahead to our discussion today tonight. There were a couple books that I saw that really stood out that have some really good Turtle modules. So the Coding Projects in Python book has a really great section that does 
not just the shapes and the spirals and everything that that we love doing, but it also has it has real drawing tools where you're drawing people and you're changing parameters and moving them around. The Python for Kids book has a great section on Turtle and how to use it for drawing. The Python Playground book has a wonderful section on advanced turtle skills and it has you building a spirograph using some really more complex or more advanced equations that turn it into a true spirograph type tool. You know that old toy that has the plastic tooth discs where you can put the pen in it and spin it around. It's a computer version of that where mathematically it has two circles that interact with each other and draw these shapes and it's really amazing to see the complexity of the shapes that can be created there. I think one other book that deserves particularly special mention as well is the Math Adventures in Python book from No Starch Press. What I saw there that was particularly interesting was a teacher who found that using Python and using the turtle functions were the best pathway to him for teaching his students about math. So using Turtle to illustrate visually these mathematical concepts for his students tended to be a really great way for him to engage students and get them excited about math and engaged in it in a way that was difficult for him to do sometimes on paper or on a whiteboard or from a textbook. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of code programs, algorithms we can write for cosine and sine and to draw those out with Python Turtle. So if you are more of the advanced, I can completely see, or if you don't have computer science, even more so both sides, you can go into the math classroom and integrate some opportunities to do the spirograph mathematics, then to show them a little bit of pre, maybe pre-written code if he, the kids don't know how to code, and then just show them how to change some numbers for the cosine, sine, and tangent equations in there. What a great opportunity just to show that connection between the, the importance of math and the importance of computer science. Yeah, I mean, if you're a math teacher looking to integrate some code into your classroom, this is the place to do it. Turtle is really where it's at when it comes to math concepts. Now, of course, if you're teaching statistics or data science, I might introduce you to Panda or Mathplotlib, but when it comes to just illustrating math concepts in a way that students really get and they see it, Turtle is amazing. Yeah, and we, we can't forget Teach Your Kids to Code by Bryson Payne. That's another one that has a whole module of turtle graphics, I think, in the, the first couple of chapters. So it's something that you should look at. Yeah, it's funny. There's probably about a half dozen books that we're overlooking here, and I, I have to apologize to those authors in advance. But there we act like it's some big secret that, oh, you know, Python has this turtle module, like, have you heard of it? But it's in almost every beginner Python book for a reason. It's there because it really works and it really illustrates these programming concepts in a way that students get and it makes a lot of sense. I think, the, yeah, the whole reason why we wanted to put this concept out there is not for the people that know Python. I think it, again, is just trying to get those people like me who don't necessarily know how to code, who fear that they won't be able to code, who might think that it's something that's not in their realm because they never learned how to code as a kid. It's I think it's that thing that it, it's comfortable. It's easy to use. If you're not a coder, if you're maybe a computer science or a tech 
tech integrationist and you want to bring code into your school, this, I think, is the easy way to do it. Even if it is just an hour of code through, you know, a grok or a week of code, whatever it is, this is, I think this is the easiest entry point for someone who does not know the Python language. Yeah, I would agree. I think in your role and my role, Kelly, as tech integration specialists, one of our, the things that we're constantly doing is for is seeking new ways to connect with teachers in their classrooms and bring them some new tools. So if you're looking for something that that could help a math teacher or help students who are struggling with math to find it in a new way, this is a great tool for that that doesn't require a lot of of advanced programming knowledge. And if you can find a way to connect with those math teachers and help them see the potential of this and see how it can help students learn the concepts, it really can accelerate and, and help them leap forward with their student understanding of the mathematical concepts they're teaching because this forces students to apply their knowledge. It's one thing to go from the theory, even today, walking through students through ge geometry theory and how angles add up in a triangle and what you know what angles to use in which places and how to think through a logical proof of a ge geometric shape really goes a long way here so it's been such a great tool for us and something that's has earned a, a lifelong place in my my programming toolbox for teaching yeah and let's not forget you know this the a in the steam we have our technology our engineering our math and our science but let's not forget the arts so we, we brought up the turtle stitch for a reason, makerspace and arts, just bringing it in, the opportunity just to show that, you know, in nature or in man-made designs that those shapes can also be coded and they can mass produce that same pattern, computer generated patterns in business and entrepreneurials and in tech where, so let's not forget arts when we talk about the, the coding. That's true. Uh, you know, and we haven't even touched upon the fact that you can use Turtle with many consumer or education-oriented robots that can do pen drawings and, and draw other things. So if you, got a, if you have a robot that can take Python commands, you can use those same sort of forward, left, right commands to create art by simply attaching a marker to it or a paintbrush or something that can can change it. So there's so much more that can be done here. If you have ideas or things that you've you've tried with Turtle or projects that you think we should share with the community, please reach out to us on it. There are so many things here that we haven't even seen yet that we're excited to discover. Yeah, and and just keep the keep the comments coming in on Twitter. We are just so thankful for the people that have reached out to us. We are learning. I feel that this has just bumped up my learning, my desire to learning, my passion for learning code. And we're hoping that we're targeting some people that may not know how to code who, who want to learn, who want to be those, those go-getters, those risk-takers, and those problem-solvers that we're all trying to teach our kids to be. So hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, it's really been amazing. Talk about let's try it and see what happens. When we started this about two months ago and we launched our first podcast, who knew how many people were going to listen? And we've been getting emails and tweets and requests from all over the globe of people who have 
you know, either expressed an interest in wanting to become better teachers, teachers who want to code better. We've had authors, we've had maintainers of other projects reach out to us. I can't begin to express how touched I am by the Python community and the people who have just offered their help, their support, their encouragement, their kind thoughts, their constructive feedback. I've made some hopefully some improvements to the audio podcast quality over the last few episodes based on some fantastic listener feedback. It has really been just a fantastic experience and we're so excited about it. And just, it has really been something that we weren't even expecting, but it has been phenomenal for each of us as, you know, me as a coder, trying to be a better teacher and you as a teacher. Trying to be a better better coder. (laughs) Trying to be a better coder. Absolutely. it has really helped us just step up to a new level. And so to the community at large and to the individuals who have reached out to us, thank you so much for your support as we've launched this. It's really meant the world to us. Absolutely. Well, and I'm starting to hear, and probably can hear in the background, that um, we're about to start my zooplankton exploratory lab. See, I'm not only a Pythonista, I'm also a scientista. <laughs> <laughs> and we I'm a marine biologist this week. So it's been a great, great opportunity to talk about turtle and get my mindset back into coding. Uh next week we're getting back into back into the classroom and hopefully to learn some more things. Thanks for listening to Teaching Python. If you'd like to speak with us or join the conversation, you can find us on the web at teachingpython.fm or on Twitter at TeachingPython. If you like what you just heard, why not leave us a review? You can find our iTunes page at teachingpython.fm slash iTunes or on your favorite audio podcatcher of choice. As always, this is Sean. And this is Kelly. Signing off. Signing off.